Hi everyone, it's Jeremy here. We're still safely outside of the arcade and back at home, but we wanted to keep sending out our broadcast for you. And so the recording that you're going to hear this time is actually the first thing we recorded when we were testing out our equipment and figuring out our format. So you can think of it sort of like an unaired pilot of a show. And in it, we're going to discuss the game Distraint, which we also played in the arcade. So I hope you enjoy, and there will be more broadcasts coming to you shortly. Welcome back, friends, to the Eerie Arcade. I'm Jeremy. I'm Anastasia. And this time, we're going to talk about Distraint. Distraint was originally released in October 2015, and then later re-released as a deluxe edition in September 2017. We specifically played through the deluxe edition. The game was developed by a single developer, Jesse McConan, so it's a very micro-indie game. And to sort of describe what Distraint is like, it is a game about guilt, about shame, about pride. Agreed. Most definitely. It is a side-scrolling game with a very off-putting feel. Feels very off-kilter. How else would you describe Distraint? Large head, small bodies. Yeah. The, it, has, it has an unusual aesthetic in that way. It's a, it's a pixel art game, but uh, in terms of character design, very unusual. Small hats, large heads. They're almost Funko Pop. Yeah, similar proportions to that, but not in the way that Funko Pops are kind of designed to be very cutesy. Uh, these characters don't look very cute. They tend to look more disturbing. Yeah. The game has a fairly muted palette. Um, it has very atmospheric sound design, and I thought it had a pretty compelling story. How did you feel about the game's story? Well, I did fall asleep for the ending, but um, it definitely taps in on the fear of having to make the correct choice and, you know, going back and forth between two choices and having different people around you trying to influence what choice you're going to make. Um, it, it's a difficult position anytime you, you're ever in it. It feels, it feels not good at all, and so this does a good job of putting you in that feeling for that character. Yeah, I agree. Let's, let's dig into that a little bit more and back up and describe kind of the, the premise of the game, which is that you are essentially the person who goes about handing out eviction notices and trying to get people to sign the papers to give up their home to make the whole process go more smoothly. And so you play the character of Price, who is a young man uh, living in poverty, trying to make his place in the world, essentially. Also, this seems to be set not in 2017, certainly. Yeah, I would say it's ambiguous, but the technology definitely feels old. Mm -hmm. Although it also very clearly, in general, the game doesn't feel like reality. Mm -hmm. It all sort of functions by a sort of dream logic. There's things just work differently than they would. 
describe, I think, the gameplay a little bit more, because that also sort of influences the story. So, essentially, the game is... It's a side-scroller, but it's really just a basic adventure game. In terms of you're going around, you're talking to people, you're interacting with objects to solve relatively simple puzzles. Mm-hmm. It's all... Um, there's no voice acting. It's all text-based. It's all reading. Right. Which is what you'd expect for a game made by just one developer on, you know, what's assuredly kind of a shoestring budget. Mm-hmm. I I enjoyed the basic gameplay. You know, I like adventure games. I like a game that, you know, it's pretty clear from the beginning. This isn't going to have combat or anything. It's really just about exploration, solving some pretty light puzzles. Uh, it actually, the game had more gameplay than I initially thought it might. When we started it, I thought it would be more of sort of just a walking and talking game, of just purely experiencing a story. I was actually surprised to find, no, it's really just more more a traditional adventure game than I expected. Um, it even has uh, an inventory system, which is something I found kind of odd, actually, because it's rare that you even ever have more than one item on your person at a time in the game, and each item can only be used in one specific thing. So that's actually one part I felt was a little bit of failing of the game, was there's really no point to its inventory system. It kind of just added busy work of me having to make sure I select the right item or don't have an item selected in order to get the right interaction with something, when they could have just made it totally context-based of if I have the item and I interact with a thing, it knows, okay, you want to use that item here. No, you definitely had to spend some time distracting from playing the game with having to make sure that because there's always you had three slots and there's always two empty slots essentially and so you had to make sure not to select the empty slot but select the slot with the item i definitely saw you having to spend time on that yeah i mean it's definitely a minor complaint but when you're talking about something where there's really limited gameplay then such a minor thing like that is going to stand out as a flaw. We, we talked about it a little bit. Let's talk more about the aesthetics of the game. So we talked about the character design. Um, what about the world design? How do you feel about the environments? Um, so it felt a little bit maybe 1940s, gray, yeah, very kind muted. of post-depression era. Sure. Not a huge world. You, you, you spent your time in just a few buildings. Yeah. Mostly inside of Your the- apartment and then the different apartments you have to visit. A little mm-hmm. bit of time in the woods mm-hmm. and the cemetery as well. So there are, there's some outdoor areas. I thought that the developer actually did a really good job working within the constraints they set for themselves because it is sort of a lo-fi pixel art 2D game. But there were some clever things done that really add some more depth to it. So there's a lot of things in the background and the foreground that make it feel like there's more depth to it. It doesn't feel flat because there's a, there's, um, you know, the things in the background and foreground that do the parallax scrolling. And so it does do a good job of making you feel kind of in a particular environment. I also, there is um, sort of a film grain filter over the whole thing, which also kind of smooths out those edges of that pixel art adds to the dreamlike quality of it because things are a little bit fuzzy. Things are a little diffuse, right? Mm -hmm. Also, one thing that's interesting about the aesthetics 
is that the game displays in sort of this ultra widescreen resolution. On a standard resolution monitor, it's actually only using basically the the center um, third. Yeah, uh, vertically. Mm -hmm. So, what did you think about that choice, and why the developer might have decided to cut off so much of the screen? I guess it makes you, anytime you need to go from point A to point B, um, it feels longer. You know, it. I feel like it goes with in terms of the story that it stretches out the walking and the kind of time you have to reflect on all the decisions you're making. It just everything feels longer and and more stretched out and elongated. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't really considered that. That's almost like uh, a situation in a dream where mm -hmm. it feels like something just sort of stretches out and it feels like it's going to take a really long time to get somewhere or you're kind of running in place. Right. Um, from, a, from a gameplay perspective, I kind of thought about this as well in terms of the game is a side-scroller, and the problem with that is that because this is it's side-scrolling but it's not a platformer, there's no verticality to it, and so if you use the entire real estate of the screen, what happens is you have these big empty spaces, right? And that, that doesn't fit with the feel, I think, of the story and aesthetics well here. I think that probably contributed to it as well, is you're supposed to feel kind of claustrophobic. You're in these dingy hallways and such. And if you use the entire real estate of the screen, I think it would, it would feel a lot more open, mm -hmm. and that wouldn't work as well, um, was kind of my take on it. But I, I think that also your idea makes sense as well. I, I kind of liked the effect. No, I think that was smart. I think that that was a, a really good aesthetic choice. Because I think the other option, if you want to give the cramped feel but you're using the entire screen, would be just to zoom in a lot. And then it becomes harder to navigate, mm -hmm. you don't see as much of the world, that doesn't feel good either. Yeah, no, you don't have to reflect on, I don't know, just because every step you take is towards, is taking a step towards one decision or another because your character is always deciding to go through or not go through with something so if you have to watch your whole walk along a hallway to make the decision towards you to make steps towards a certain decision then then you just that's a more emotional feeling yeah well that kind of touches on on something that i found to be a little bit of a disconnect between the story and the gameplay because the story is very much about making these these small moral choices of how much of your soul do you give up in order to make it in the world, you know? If something is going to happen anyway, is it wrong that you're the one to do it? Those kinds of things. And so it, it really is a game about moral choices, but as far as I can tell in the gameplay, there are no actual choices. Correct. There's only yeah. one way to progress through the game, there's only one ending, uh, which I think is, that's a fine choice to make a game linear like that, but when the the story of the game is all about choice, it does it does seem odd. I mean, of course you could read into sort of a meta-narrative that choice is an illusion or something like that, but I'm, I'm not sure that's what the developer was going for. It might have been more a constraint of the game's development. I think it was, it was just more of a story, and I don't think the actual choices were are going to be that relatable to the most players anyways I would say that most people are fortunate enough to not have to make the choice between 
earning a living and kicking people out of their homes. You know, most people are able to find work that doesn't cause harm to others. Yeah, although, I mean, I do think that it is relatable in that in our everyday life we do have to make moral choices, I mean, right? That's sort of, this game really is kind of about the morality under capitalism, right? Of every purchase you make, you know, it's like, oh, do I do the quote-unquote right thing of, oh, let me buy this at a local store where it's going to cost more but the people really need the money versus going online purchasing the, the same item off Amazon for half the price. And so then you, you have to choose between, do I contribute to a system that's clearly harming people, or do I do the thing that's more beneficial for me and spend less of my hard-earned money and focus on myself? And just day to day, we're always making those decisions, you know? And sometimes we're not even aware fully of the morality of our choices, you know? Is this chocolate fair trade? Was slave labor involved? You just don't know, and it becomes... That can weigh down on you. Um, I think that's true, but I... I think we're agreeing with each other that, that the story is related to decisions we do have to make, but the actual decisions that the characters are making, there's a very clear moral and not an immoral choice. Um, it would be difficult to play, I think, if you could actually make choices because you'd either be choosing to between the clear immoral choice or the clear moral choice um he does have an apartment you know things that that um i guess he didn't have clean water which that is pretty big but since you're also not spending the money that you would earn you don't the player doesn't actually feel the perks of the decisions, and so there feels like there's would be no reason to choose the immoral choice to get money. So I think you have to play it where you don't have that option, and you can just reflect on what, how you can, you know, reflect on what that means to your own day-to-day choices. But the the actual choices of the character are as minute as the, the day-to-day choices that most most of us are fortunate enough to be between as to really difficult choices like, you know, do I make this choice and then I would have clean water? You know, very few people in America are making that choice. Right. And it's probably not a lot of the audiences. Yeah, I mean, in order to... So I think you're absolutely right, because in order to give interesting moral choices there would have had to be an extra gameplay layer added onto this, that with the current gameplay, the, the choices would essentially be meaningless. So I think about, you know, it reminds me a little bit of like Papers, Please, where there you have the choice often of doing your job as you're supposed to versus doing what's right and helping others for versus protecting your own family. So Papers, Please has a very clear gameplay system set up to explore that kind of morality, and so I can envision a world in which this game has that as well, but you know, that is inherently a different game, and probably not like a two-hour linear story the way that this was. (laughs) 
you know, we're talking about this story. Let's, let's get into it a little bit more. Um, the game is very much a psychological horror game, which, you know, I would define psychological horror as horror that really focuses on internal things, right? In this case, the game very clearly spells out that it is about shame and guilt and greed. It, it's not about a lot of external things, you know, there's not real monsters. It's not like a slasher type horror. It is very much about processing negative emotions and going through negative things and kind of heightening that into outright horror. I would say that the, definitely the game is Lynchian. I think David Lynch is a real touchstone for this. You think about Twin Peaks and, and his different films of just that sort of you know, reality is just off. Things just function by a different logic. The characters are just real odd. Yeah, I mean, most the... All the fear come Or all the spookiness comes from disturbing imagery. You know, the, there's... in kind of the idea of intrusive thoughts. Mm, sure. Um, you know, there's one point where you get stuck in a maze of images of the person who you've wronged. Right. Um, and that's a very kind of an anxiety, intrusive thoughts, trauma-based imagery. Yeah, I agree. The whole thing kind of feels like a stress dream. Mm -hmm. You know, so you wake up kind of in a sweat in the middle of the night. The story also has a sort of devil and angel on the shoulder dynamic of you have both your bosses who keep pushing you to be kicking these people out of their homes in exchange for higher pay and a, the eventual promise of a partnership versus the the spirits of your parents who in the story appear to have previously died but kind of visit you as as spirits now and then and are your moral compass and telling you you know you really shouldn't be doing this like is the money worth this? You know, can you really live with yourself like this? Like, make the right choice, son. Your bosses also it almost seem like spirits, because they appear kind of out of nowhere, and you never see them interact with anyone else. No other character feels 100% real. Yeah, I well, I would say the people that you kick out of their homes do, actually. They feel like yeah. fully realized people. It's true, but... Um... You know, the first character, the old lady, Mrs. Norman? Mm. Uh, I think it was Goodwin. Mm. Mrs. Goodwin, I believe, was her name. Um, she's definitely the most real character. But it gets confusing because she's the imagery, you know, of the intrusive thoughts and things like that. So it kind of gets fuzzy. Yeah. They, well, they seem very real when you visit them in their homes, but then after that, you kind of then start to imagine them and see them and, and have, you know, the strange and, and disturbing thoughts. Um, I thought it was interesting that it's like, you know, you essentially evict these people from their homes, but yet none of them are really mad at you because you're, you're very kind about it, you know, you're very much just the messenger, mm -hmm. and um, and even you really develop a, a friendship with Mrs. Goodwin, 
um, and get very upset when you learn about the, the crude way that your bosses have treated her. Which is just an interesting dynamic of like, if you do something that you find morally wrong, but you try to do it in the nicest way possible, does that matter at all? Well, this game's... I don't know about in general, but the in terms of the game, it seems to... Because Miss Goodwin befriends you, and you develop a relationship that because you were nice while you were doing, while you were kicking her out. I don't know. I feel like if going too much into the the story kind of pokes holes in it for me when I really think about it because, again, you were just the messenger. You were actually making choices about whether or not these people were to be evicted. Right. Um, they were evicted from their homes. Like, you were just the person who had them sign the papers. It's not like the only other choice you'd have would be to house them all in your own home. Yeah. Um, you know, or something like that. And so you didn't really have power over the situation. Yeah. Um, so the other thing that I feel like is interesting that I don't think they quite touched on, but it was seemed like it would have been an obvious theme, would have been the idea of that you can't take it with you. Like, that, that kind of concept of, like, because you're dealing with a lot of death. Potentially your parents are dead. You know, you're dealing with an old lady who lost her husband and then um, is in poor health. And, but you're not really reflecting on your own mortality in that way of like, you know, what I have, you know, so much time, I can't take money with me, but I could take, you can't take anything with you. So I don't know, but just the idea that like you could leave behind good relationships. Um, So they don't really touch on that at all, but in terms of just the general decisions making you are actually in charge of anything so it's what choices you make doesn't necessarily impact the outcomes for these people right right that's true um well i think it's more about like just sort of sacrificing your soul you know sort of selling your soul because it's true that it's like this is a system that exists with or without you things are more or less going to happen the same way with or without you but you know how much does it harm you knowing that you were a participant in a system that you find immoral mm-hmm. and harmful mm-hmm. and, and that's why the game i think is really about guilt and shame more than anything is because it's it's not that this situation came about because of you but it's just your willingness to participate in it is um kind of what i think racks price with guilt throughout the game so i don't i don't necessarily want to spoil the game for people who haven't played it but i did find it interesting the way that the game's story becomes sort of cyclical uh i think that they i mean i think that the developer did a really good job of wrapping up the whole thing in a nice package in the end and it feeling like a complete story where the character kind of ends up at the end you actually predicted the end uh, long before it happened, so... Yeah, that's true. Um, not that that's necessarily a bad thing, because you're like, oh, it would make a good story if this happened. Yeah. And then that is what happened, so you just are good at recognizing 
kind of foreshadowing, but... Um, yeah, it's true. I mean, part of that I think might come from the game isn't subtle in its writing. Mm -hmm. The way that sometimes psychological horror can be more subtle than this, this one is definitely not. I mean, there's points in the game literally where the words like shame and guilt yeah. are, are displayed on the screen. and. They talk about how, like, the, you keep seeing a bloody elephant, and they literally say, oh, the bloody elephant is your guilt, or something like well, that. Well, they'd say they reference the phrase, the elephant in the room. Right. And that's kind of what the elephant yeah. represents. And I think that the narrative might have worked a little bit better if they dialed things back just a bit, and it was just a little bit more subtle, and let you connect those dots yourself, because they're pretty easy dots to connect. Mm -hmm. I don't need it spelled out for me. Overall, I still thought the narrative was very effective, and I think the connection between the aesthetics, the gameplay, and story is pretty solid. Mm -hmm. um, but I just, just wish there was a little bit more subtlety. Yeah. I think so too. I think that it was, like I said, I don't relate to, you know, I'm fortunate to not relate to the actual choices the character is making, but can think about those choices it less dramatically it affects my life even if in a less dramatic way I thought the, sp the spookiness was low for this game it's creepy it, uh, as opposed to scary mm -hmm. yeah it's true I guess because of the way the gameplay is where you know there's no combat or anything and it's not even like an amnesia-style game where there's constantly a monster coming for you. And so the parts where there's genuine scares are, are kind of few and far between. There are a few moments where um, there's like a quick flash, you know, kind of a jump scare that was effective uh, and, and scared me. But overall, definitely the scare level here is relatively low. say the game compares to some similar games in the genre we've played because we've played some 2d side-scrolling uh horror games before like claire and um lone survivor and never-ending nightmares um i have to imagine that lone survivor was probably a big influence distraint because um i mean lone survivor to my recollection was really the first very successful indie 2D side-scrolling retro-style horror game, and, and obviously all of that, you know, the way I just described Lone Survivor, you could describe this game as well. So mm -hmm. there's feels like clear connective tissue between those. I would say that uh, as an observer, so my opinion is different, you know, because I am not actually playing the game. I'm observing someone play the game. Right. And I have enjoyed, I enjoyed observing those, the other games we mentioned more than I enjoyed observing this game. Um, just because the, the stakes were really low for the player and as an observer they're even lower. That I don't have any I can kind of give some input to puzzle solving tactics, I guess. You know, choices to, to solve the puzzle so we can move to the next part of the game. But that's really as far as it goes for me. And I wasn't super invested in the in the 
story I felt like I had, you know, from a small amount of playing, got the same messages that I had at the end. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't gaining more and more and more as the game went on um, as an observer. And I think that I prefer actual scary over just generally creepy where you just kind of feel a little gross and off I think I'd rather be like oh my gosh we have to run <laughs> we will die um instead this is just like ooh a little creepy yeah yeah I I am not sure like I liked what a small focused game this was I think this game did a really good job of not overstaying its welcome uh, I think two hours was the right length to tell the story it wants to tell with the kind of gameplay it has, uh, and so I think it was really good that way. Whereas I think of like, Lone Survivor was probably a longer game than it needed to be, um, and partly because it felt the need to be a game. You know, it felt the need to have a lot of gameplay elements that you have to deal with rather than just um, kind of telling a story. I don't think one of those is objectively better than the others, mm -hmm. I just think it's it's a different development choice and I'm not sure where exactly my preference lies, but this is definitely, you know, this is more of a game than, for example, Neverending Nightmares was, where basically that entire game is just walking through hallways and towards the end you're maybe avoiding a few monsters, but for the most part that's just kind of walking through hallways and then something spooky happens. Um, this has more gameplay than that, but definitely less than Claire or Lone Survivor. But, you know, I think it's in good company, essentially. I think that all of those games I've listed are worth playing and fall differently on a spectrum of just telling a story to um, being, like, a really gameplay-heavy, like, Resident Evil-style mm -hmm. um, horror game. What did you think about the sounds? We didn't talk about the... Oh. Uh, yeah. what you hear while you're playing, which, as an observer, was a large part of my experience. I feel like since I, there's basically just sight and sound. Yeah. For me, there's no actual playing, so. Sure. Um, I mean, I thought that it worked well. You know, sound is one of those things in, in games that I think when it works well, you don't think about it that mm -hmm. much. And mm -hmm. I think that was very much the case here, where the environmental sounds, the music, the sound effects, they all worked fine, and because of that, I just, I didn't think about them as much as everything else. And I thought actually the, like, ambient sound side, sort of the atmosphere the game sets was quite good with mm -hmm. the sound design. One thing that I don't know if I would, if they actually did this, if I would feel differently, but one thing I thought about would be nice for me is that if each time a text box opened, there was a small sound to alert you to text, mm -hmm. just because you spend a lot of time walking in this game, and if you're not playing it, there's no, there. if you're watching it, there's no alert that now there's text and the plot is moving along. Right. You're, it's just an ambient sound. Um, it's just something I thought about. Not necessarily a suggestion, it actually might be horrible. Yeah, that could <laughs> just probably a, get annoying. Just a really, like a really soft sound, just something. Not like a, a full ding or anything. Yeah. Just to alert me to look at, to be attentive during that part. Uh-huh. That's, that's a pretty me. specific problem sure. to this particular case. It's just something but, I thought about. Yeah. 
well, I guess we can get around to rating the game. So we have only, you know, so many quarters. And we're trapped here. And we're trapped here, so we have to choose, use them wisely. We have to make the choices, like, like the character did in Distry. Would you spend your quarters to play this game again? Uh, Was the quarters well spent? Yeah, I think so. I think this game is well worth a few quarters. Um, like I said, I think it's a nicely told story. It, the game never overstays its welcome. Its gameplay is basic, but it works well with the story. Uh, it is it has a unique aesthetic. Um, I think if you're looking for sort of Lynchian psychological horror, I think that this is a good place to stop for a while and spend a few of your tokens. I think that this is a good game to kinda get you started if you don't want to be outright scared, but but maybe it's, you know, September 30th and you're, you're feeling like you want to get a little bit spookier, but you're not ready to be afraid while playing a game that this kind of hits that in between. Um, and that'd be a good time to spend your quarters on this game. So here's another question for you. Based on the experience with this game, would you be interested in playing Distrain 2? I guess I would want to learn more before I spend my quarters on it. You know, how do they build on what... It's such a complete story. What is the... Is this a... If it's an entirely new story, then I'd be... By the same people, I'd be interested in that. If it's an addition to the story, I would have to kind of learn more about it before I would feel interested in playing. Yeah. Uh, I would I would definitely be interested in checking it out. You know, I now trust this developer to tell me a compelling horror story, and I'd be interested to see how they expand on what was such a small game uh, and maybe address some of the things that we saw as flaws uh, in this first one. So I, I would be very curious to check it out. I think that's going to about do it for us here in the Eerie Arcade this time. We're excited to spend a few more of our quarters on the next game and make another audio recording of our, our thoughts on that while we, um, you know, just are spending our time trapped here in the arcade. Uh, and you can follow me at Jeremy underscore Whitson. Don't follow me anywhere. <laughs> Leave me alone. Uh, and we hope you have a wonderful Halloween. And remember to leave the arcade before it closes.